It is uh, 11.07. I want to make clear that my business model just fell apart about buying a catalytic converter here in Missouri, uh, buying like a, a truckload, and then sending them to California. Because as it turns out, uh, the, I don't know where they got that price on the other website, uh, but the, uh, the average cost for a Ford F-150 catalytic converter replacement is between $1,560 and $1,585. So that business model has just failed. It seemed like it, it just it was too good, just too good to be true. However, one sympathetic listener sent me a message. He said, Gary, I feel sorry for the converter guy under the ladies SUV. He had his entrepreneurial spirit crushed. <laughs> uh, you people are amazing. Uh, we got a guy who was sentenced to life in prison walking free after a Missouri judge vacated his conviction. You know this. This is one of the one of the reasons I don't like the death penalty. It's it's just one of them, and and that is not to say that some people don't deserve it. Perhaps a lot of people do, but we're only human, and we make mistakes. Prosecutors make mistakes. Juries make mistakes. Defense attorneys make mistakes, and people end up on death row. And some of them don't belong there. And that's one of the reasons that I think, yeah, let's let God do the punishing. I also think it's a punishment to be locked up for the rest of your life. I don't care how old you are, you look forward to having your next year. And uh, when you know you're going to spend it behind bars for the rest of your life, I think that's pretty awful punishment. After serving nearly 30 years of a life sentence, Lamar Johnson officially walks free for a crime he has always insisted he did not commit. It's unbelievable, he told reporters outside the courthouse lobby when his conviction was overturned. On Tuesday, Missouri Circuit Judge David Mason vacated the sentence stating there was convincing and reliable evidence of actual innocence in overturning the conviction. Uh, this is uh, a case that Kim Gardner, who's never done anything right in her life, apparently was uh, working to fix, I guess even a stop clock. In 1994, he was convicted of murder for the killing of Marcus Boyd, who was shot to death on his front porch by two masked men. Boyd's death uh, apparently arose uh, over a dispute over drug money. And uh, it just, it, it just, people make mistakes. And in this case, the best part of his life was spent behind bars. By the way, it was drug money again. It was the war on drugs. I get so disturbed when I see those stories, and if and Fox News is doing it all the time. Well, look at how many people are, uh, you know, in trouble because of fentanyl. How many people are dying? Legalize drugs and end it. Nobody will die. China won't. I won't say nobody will die, but China won't be sending fentanyl across the border. There will be no point. Nobody would buy it. 
you'd think we'd learn the lesson of our history with alcohol. And and look at, did you ever watch those crime shows, Brian, where they, the reality show where the cops are chasing the bad guys or when they're oh, trying yeah. to solve? How much of it, how many times are they running because of drugs? Most of the time. All of that disappears. All of that crime disappears. Why? Because we're trying to protect somebody from their own behavior? The rest of us have to suffer? Not to mention the price and the cost associated with incarceration, investigations, trials. Oh, we could be saving billions of dollars and probably thousands of lives if we would just quit trying to dictate how people live. Oh, but somebody got uh, hooked on drugs. People get hooked on alcohol, too. We're not banning that again. Um, okay, so uh, I just heard from uh, David. He is going to be with us in a couple of minutes. Uh, in fact, uh, he is going to cover a different story. Can the feds prosecute Douglas Mackey for his Twitter trolling? Because of a series of misleading memes, a troll has been charged with conspiracy to injure, oppress, threaten, and intimidate one or more persons in the free exercise and enjoyment of a right and privilege secured to them by the Constitution and laws of the United States. Uh, in a first-of-its-kind case, the Justice Department is prosecuting an Internet troll using a Reconstruction-era law to claim that a series of misleading social media memes were an attempt to deprive individuals of their constitutional right to vote. Be interested in that. By the way, did you see this guy up in Buffalo uh, who got found guilty? He was the one who shot everybody in the, in the grocery store? I didn't see that. Yeah, he got life in prison. But now, he ha and he apologized. Not that that makes it go away. He's getting life in prison. That seems reasonable to me. But now he's got to go to federal court. And then uh, the uh, potential is for, for execution. And they're calling it a hate crime. <laughs> a hate crime. He wasn't punished enough. Yeah, apparently two lifetimes ought to do the trick. It, it's just, it's, it, it, to, to punish somebody or to think you have the right to punish somebody because of what they were thinking <laughs> when they committed the crime is absolutely we ludicrous. We need to punish him for his thoughts. Yes. How is it that we let this crap go? How do we let this happen? At some point, America, you got to wake up. Quit trying to control everybody else's life. Let them be free. As far as we know, we get one shot at this. You, you're born and you get one shot at living. Let's let people be free. Instead, we've got all these rules and laws and taxes and nobody's free anymore. It's not the land of the free and the home of the brave. All right, um, we're going to take a quick break. Dave Rowland is going to be with us, uh, and we'll cover a lot of this ground with Dave. You can get me at GaryNolan.com. Also, oh, Brian, I, it, I wanted to do this because on uh, next Thursday and Friday, we're doing a fundraiser for yes, Children's we are. Miracle uh -huh. Network. Uh, I'll talk about it in a minute. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is 18 minutes after 11 o'clock. I want to remind you that next Thursday and Friday... 
Uh, it'll be the 17th annual 93.9 Eagle Missouri Credit Union Miracles for Kids Radiothon. Um, for 17 years, you have been so helpful in um, helping us to get them the equipment uh, and the money they need so that they can take any child from any family that needs medical attention and provide it. Uh, the money all stays right here in uh, central Missouri, and I know, uh, in fact, uh, a co-worker of ours uh, had to bring his uh, child in, his infant in. It is just a most remarkable facility, and because of your generosity, we've been able to help them every year. Uh, and it takes a lot of people to make that happen, including Allstate consultants, uh, uh, Lubring Oil, uh, the, the folks... Uh, over at uh, Turkey Creek Golf uh, and Level Up Entertainment, among others. So join us Thursday and Friday next week. Uh, it'll be a completely. It'll just be dedicated to raising money for the Miracle for Kids Radiothon uh, with the Missouri Credit Union. And I just want to remind you, um, we'll need your help that day. We really appreciate everything you've done over the years. Joining me now, Dave Rowland. MoFreedom.org. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing all right, Gary. How are you doing today? I'm, I was doing all right till Brian sent me a story about a guy who's engaged to a rag doll and is now telling us that his fiance is pregnant. How do you find these things, Brian? I don't know. They just come up in my news feed. <laughs> you and I, I guess it goes to show you what I've been browsing lately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and I are looking at two different news feeds, I'll tell you. Uh, all right, so let's, uh, let's do this uh, last story that, uh, that you sent me. The first of its kind case, the Justice Department prosecuting an Internet troll. What is going on? Yeah, this is a really interesting case. Um, so there's a guy who back during the 2016 election uh, was making a lot of memes and spreading them on social media um, that they were intended to be jokes, or at least it appears they were intended to be jokes. Um, but they were telling Hillary Clinton voters that they could vote by text. So he, one of the images said, avoid the line, vote from home. And it said, text Hillary to a specific number. And apparently a lot of people actually did this. They texted <laughs> to this number, um, nearly 5,000 people. And so the federal government is arguing that this was not a joke that this was an effort to confuse people into giving up their right to vote. In other words, if people believed that they had cast their vote by text, then they would not then go and cast their vote in a proper and legal way, and so they would end up being disenfranchised. They would be deprived of their constitutional right. So the argument is that he violated federal civil rights laws, um, the, basically the, the KKK Act that was passed in uh, the wake of the Civil War, they're saying that he was trying to deprive people of their constitutional freedoms and that he has to be punished for it. Um, so 
this is actually a little bit of a tough case. And it's interesting because it's resulted in a disagreement between two entities that I respect a lot. One is Eugene Volokh, who is a professor at uh, the UCLA Law School. He's not not thoroughly libertarian, but libertarian-ish. And um, he looked at this law and he says, you know what? I think that this might be a constitutional application if they can prove that the intent was to prevent people or to trick people into not voting, then Professor Volokh thinks that that survives um, a First Amendment analysis. But the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, which is a group that we haven't talked about that much, Gary, but it is right up there with the Institute for Justice and Pacific Legal in terms of protecting people's freedom, especially the freedom of expression. Um, They've come out and they've said, no, we think that this is fully First Amendment protected speech, um, even if it was false, even if it was misleading, um, you're allowed to say false and misleading things under the First Amendment. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, let me take this uh, beat up old uh, uh, thing from uh, from the, from history. If I stand up in a movie theater and I yell "fire," and nobody moves, nobody gets hurt, nothing tragic happens, they may throw me out for interrupting a play or something. But I've not committed any serious crime, have I? No, you haven't. But if I stand up and I yell "fire" and people get trampled to death. Am I guilty of a crime then? Um, I don't know about a crime. I'm not sure if there would be a, a, a criminal law that would apply. You could be held liable for the harms that people suffered, and the First Amendment wouldn't protect you from that. So I'd have a civil... civil uh... And potentially you could have a... You, you potentially could have people. criminal liability. It just depends on where you where you made the statement and whether there was a law in the books that applied. Well, like, if I if I um, if I make that st- if I yell fire, then I am uh, literally causing people to riot to to you know scramble for the door. And if they get hurt in the middle of doing that, I, that's my fault, right? So I understand well, civilly. That's, that's but- why you might, yeah, that's why you might have civil liability. So with, with, there's no broad criminal prohibition on yelling things that are false. Um, there may be criminal prohibitions against creating dangerous, like intentionally creating dangerous conditions. Um, you know, cause inciting a riot would be a criminal prohibition. Um, but it's not clear that, that shouting fire in a crowded, falsely shouting fire in a crowded theater, it's not necessarily clear that that would incite a riot or that it would create a disturbance you know someone could just be joking around and not have intended to produce a response that caused harm there are a lot of nuances nuances when it comes to criminal law and a lot of how the law would be applied depends on the specific wording of the law and then which jurisdiction you're in. Have they had cases like that before that would provide guidance? So there, there are just so many details when it comes to criminal law that um, I, I couldn't say whether there would be criminal liability in that circumstance without knowing a lot of additional information. Wow. 
You know what? I'm not the only one with a question. Uh, State <laughs> Representative Cherie Reich is on the line with us, and she's got a question. Fantastic. Good morning, gentlemen. Dave, I have a question uh, that you're involved with, so I don't know what you can say or not say, but I've been in the election uh, uh, field for over 40 years, and I'm on the House Elections Committee, so I just heard of a case you're involved in regarding Green County Clerk Shane Scholler and right. a citizen who did a sunshine law request, and he's suing her, and I'm really intrigued by this. Yeah, I'm happy to talk more about this. So um, you're right. The Greene County clerk filed a lawsuit um, basically asking for a court to tell him uh, what the law requires when a citizen asks for a cast vote record. Um, so one of the things that Mike Lindell and several of the other people that were really concerned about the legitimacy of the presidential election in 2020 were suggesting is, is if we could review the cast vote record, these electronic data that are collected um, as you're scanning these ballots, then we would be able to identify if people were improperly tinkering with the results of the election. And so, um, so my dead client in voting, you know, I see dead people, etc. Right, exactly. And so my client asked the Green County clerk for uh, access to this data and. Um, Mr. Scholler says he's not sure whether he is allowed under Missouri law to produce the records or not. And that is a legitimate position to take. And he did what I think is the right thing by asking the courts to clarify. Now, the real question here that I have is, is Mr. Scholler interested in producing all of the information that the law allows him to produce, or is he interested in withholding all of the information that the law allows him to withhold? In other words, is he just trying to get by with the bare minimum, or is he really interested in letting Missourians have access to as much information as possible? Um, and there is some middle ground there. Mr. Scholler's attorney refuses to clarify this question. Uh, Mr. Scholler has previously been very pro-transparency. I've been really impressed with um, how he's approached government transparency. But this is one situation where I think he should clearly say, I want citizens to have all the information the law allows. Um, and so far, he and his attorney are refusing to say that. So we are in the middle of discovery. I've corresponded a little bit with his attorney this week, in fact. Um, but we are working hard to make sure that Missouri citizens have as much access to election-related information as the law allows them to have. We're working hard on that. So I will be following this closely, and I'm wanting to make sure if it's not clear in Missouri laws, maybe we need to make it more crystal clear on what's an open record or not an open record, because... I would love to work with you and the other legislators on putting together some legislation that would clarify this. I'd love to work with you on that. Well, let's talk offline, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, all right, so which way do you think this is going to go, this case of this guy in uh, the, the, the Internet troll? 
I think it depends on if they can prove that he intended to mislead people. So it was meant it to was be a joke, joke. I think he's protected. If if he was actually trying to mislead people, I think he may be in some trouble. Yeah, it's an old joke, and I think that's probably where it was going. Quick break. We're going to be back. Uh, we've got a lot more ground to cover with Dave Roland, MoFreedom.org. Landlords in California do what? That's next. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1135, Dave Roland, org. Harry Reid uh, said that uh, Mitt Romney hadn't paid his taxes, even though he knew it was a lie and came out later and said, yeah, but it worked. Uh, and Brenda wants to know, uh, could he be charged if he's still alive? If he were still alive, could he have been charged under the same law? No, he could not. So... Um it is one thing to try and persuade voters to vote for the candidate that you prefer uh, by using lies. That's unfortunately it's part <laughs> of the American political tradition. Um, but the difference in this is um, the allegation is that the defendant was trying to trick people into not voting at all. Um, and, and that is the distinction, you know, you can lie about candidates all you want. You can, you know, try and scare people away from voting for, for people that you don't like, but to trick them into not exercising their right to vote at all, um, that's where the government has drawn the line here. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think that there is a, there are a lot of people who have the instinct that says, well, you shouldn't be able to lie about people like that. Well, we do have defamation laws so that um, if you maliciously say things that you know are not true about somebody, you can be held liable, civilly liable, um, for any harm that you cause them or their reputation. But, um, but yeah, it's really difficult for any political persons to, yeah. um, to successfully win a defamation case. And that's why, and, and they still continue to bring these defamation cases all the time, uh, which is, I, you know, I don't know what attorneys are advising them on this, but it is really next to impossible for a politician to win a defamation case. Um, so, well, it's a higher yeah. bar for people in the in uh, the public eye too. In the public eye, yeah, yeah. It's it's different <laughs> if we're talking about someone who has not intentionally put themselves in the public spotlight. Um, here's a, here's a good example from uh, just in the last week. Brett Favre, the Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, filed a defamation lawsuit against a couple of sports commentators because. Favre is currently embroiled in a scandal in Mississippi where it is alleged that he intentionally helped to divert welfare funds to support the construction of a volleyball facility at his alma mater, Southern Miss University. Um, and so these commentators were basically saying Brett Favre is a trash human being because he was misusing welfare money to benefit his his college, um, where his daughter happens to play volleyball. Now, those I think are expressions of opinion. Like I think an opinion is completely protected under the First Amendment. Um, if it turns out that 
Brett Favre didn't do anything wrong and that these commentators knew at the time that they said what they did that he didn't do anything wrong. And what they said was an assertion of fact, not a statement of opinion. In other words, the difference is between saying, I think Brett Favre is a trash human being and saying Brett Favre intentionally uh, uh, misdirected yeah. welfare money. Like saying that he intentionally misdirected welfare money, that is a statement of fact. And it can be proven false. But saying Brett Favre is a trash human being is a statement of opinion that you can't prove it true or false. It's just how someone feels. Um, and so if they can prove that these uh, commentators knowingly and I think maliciously is going to be the standard because Brett Favre is a public figure, um, said something that was factually incorrect then maybe Brett Favre has a chance to win this case. But I think it's a completely unreachable standard. I don't think that what they said um, was a false statement of fact. I think that, that it was simply statements of opinion that Brett Favre really didn't like. And so, you know, it's one more in a long list of examples of public people, people in the public eye, um, you know, filing these defamation cases that have zero chance of success. All right, we're um, we're going to move fast because we got some other stories that we want to talk about. One of them is what they're doing in California and Los Angeles to landlords. Yeah, holy Toledo! How do they pull this off? Um, well, governments think that they can impose any restrictions they want on property owners, and uh, unfortunately, the courts have have borne that out uh, to a significant extent for the last several decades. But this ordinance that was just passed in this last week by the city of Los Angeles says that if a landlord increases the rent that they're charging more than 10%, then the landlord has to pay their tenant three times the fair market rent for relocation assistance plus an additional 1400 plus dollars in moving costs. Now, let's let's make sure that people understand Gary this is somebody who owns a piece of property they believe that there are others out there who are willing to pay more to rent the property than the current tenant and the city is saying no you're not allowed to find a tenant who will pay this newer higher rent that you're asking even if they're out there even if they're willing to pay it you're not allowed to take the higher rent if your current tenant wants to remain on the property at a lower rent. And I think that that's just insane. That is absolutely nuts. Um, but here's the good news, Gary. We talked last year about a groundbreaking property rights case where uh, the Supreme Court kind of revived the question of what constitutes a taking of private property. And I think under this standard that the Supreme Court applied th this last year, it is possible that they may be ready to crack down on this kind of foolishness like we're seeing in Los Angeles. You, the government does not have a blank slate to deprive property owners of the value that they otherwise might be able to generate with the property that they own. Um, so I hope we see a challenge to this. I'm sure that a group like Pacific Legal Foundation is 
chomping at the bit to um, to take on this kind of an issue. And so um, maybe maybe we'll see the court strike this down. But for the time being, um, this law is going to go into effect, and it's going to really uh, it's going to harm a lot of a lot of property owners by well, depriving so does, them of the use of their property. So does uh, uh, legislation that uh, what do they call it rent. Um what do they do in New York Rent control. Rent yeah. control. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Uh, this is, this is basically a, a different approach to rent control. Yeah. Um, and I, I think rent control has always been unconstitutional. It certainly is economically really, really stupid. Um, and, and there have been numerous studies proving that rent control actually ends up harming the cities that implement it. Yeah. Um, and yet they continue to do it. Um, I would not don't don't frequently pay attention to economics. If I were an investor, n- recognizing that there is a, a, a shortage, a paucity of uh, affordable uh, housing in, for instance, New York, I would not go in there and build just because somewhere down the road I'd be locked in. Right, exactly. What person in their right mind is going to be providing additional housing in these cities where they're going to be deprived of the economic benefit of what they've built? Um, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And then you see these cities complaining, oh, the rent's so high. You know, there's, there's such a, a limit to the amount of housing available. Well, yes, that's what happens when you completely skew the market with policies like this. We got a story from the uh, St. Louis Metro News about Eric Nepute. Uh, Nepute, uh, he's being sued? Yeah, so this is a St. Louis area chiropractor who, um, during the COVID pandemic, uh, really challenged a lot of what the CDC was saying and, and what the medical establishment was saying about um, treating COVID. And there is a new law, which, by the way, signed by President Trump that allows uh, the the Federal Trade Commission to go after people who spread quote unquote misinformation well hang on and, a second hang on a second because sure. I gotta I've got to do this uh, some important messages and we're gonna f- come back and find out about this because it seems to me that's taking away somebody's freedom of speech uh, and if we have time uh, the Lamar Johnson story. All coming up on the Gary Nolan Show on a Think Tank Thursday. It's 11.49. Dave Rowland is with us. MoFreedom.org. Uh, all right, so we're talking about this COVID misinformation. Uh, and, and this guy is being sued uh, because of a, a, a piece of legislation that President Trump signed. He's being sued 10 million times? Well, so the Federal Trade Commission filed this lawsuit against him, and it is a test case. It is the very first case they have filed. And here's the insane thing. Um, he he has been charged, or, or they're claiming, that he spread this misinformation millions of times, and that... As a result, he may be on the hook for something like half a trillion dollars uh, in fines. And so the thing is, he's not actually going to end up getting assessed that much in terms of fines. But 
the possibility is definitely out there. So um, the interesting thing is that the Federal Trade Commission said specifically that he spread this misinformation 10,175,234 times. They came up with this very specific number, and the maximum penalty for each violation is in the neighborhood of $44,000. But when the newspaper asked the federal government how they came up with this number of violations, it wouldn't say. So they threw out a very specific number, and then they won't say how they got to that number. But that's what they've that's what they've alleged against this guy. Um, now he is on the radio. He he uh, does a radio show in the St. Louis area, and apparently um, one of the bumpers that he uses uh, makes some statements about fighting back against COVID or or uh, COVID misinformation or something like that. That may be what they're relying on to get this number. But the bottom line is. Um, is I think this is, this is a blatant First Amendment violation. Um, even we, you know, this ties into what we were talking about earlier about how even false information is protected under the First Amendment. And so, it would be one thing if he was committing fraud. You know, if he was saying uh, kind of like uh, the um, oh, what, who was the preacher that in the early days of the pandemic got in trouble for selling silver drops? as a COVID cure, I can't, um, uh, Baker, Jim Baker. Uh, so he was telling people, if you take these silver drops, it will protect you against COVID. Um, there was absolutely nothing to back this up. Um, and so if he knew at the time that he was making the claims that there was nothing to back it up, then that would be fraud, right? Uh, when you are making a false statement intending for someone to, to dupe somebody into giving you money, right? But I don't think there's any suggestion here that Dr. Napute in St. Louis believes that any of the statements that he made were false. He was promoting vitamin D, which, by the way, there have been studies that show that vitamin D is actually an excellent part of preparing your body to defend against COVID-19 and other, uh, other viruses. Um, and so, um, unless they can prove that he was knowingly making false statements for the personal, uh, for the purpose of personal enrichment, I don't think he did anything wrong here. Like people may disagree with what he said. They may think that he's incorrect, but unless we're talking about fraud, and that is not the allegation in this case, then I think what he said is first protected by the First Amendment. Here's the really weird thing, Gary. His attorneys have not argued the First Amendment in his defense. I looked this up. Uh, you know, the, the article that, that I read on this says, well, this is not a First Amendment case. And I went and I looked at the actual documents in the case. And sure enough, his attorneys have not raised the First Amendment as a defense. And for the life of me, I don't know why. And it's not like he's got bad attorneys. His lead defense attorney is former Missouri Attorney General and Governor Jay Nixon. This is a guy who is a a good lawyer. He's a good attorney. And why they chose not to raise the First Amendment as a defense here is completely beyond me. But um, but for one reason or another, they haven't. And so um, you know we're going to see whether this whether this pans out. But it's I think it's a very concerning case. It's one that we need to keep our eyes on because again, if you give the government an inch, they're going to take a mile. 
if if the courts allow them to pursue people for what the government has decided is misinformation, it's hard to figure out where the line is going to be drawn. The government will just continue to push and push and push and determine more and more statements are going to be considered misinformation, and it's going to be just a catastrophe for free speech. I'm stunned by this. Um, maybe if they... What is their defense, though? What are they saying is their defense? If they're not saying free speech, what are they saying? So is, they're saying that um, the law only applies to misinformation, to false statements, and that they're saying that nothing that Dr. Napute said was false. Um, they're, they're saying that basically the government has misconstrued the statements that they're targeting um, and that he did not mean them the way that the government is, is uh, claiming they were intended. Um, and so basically they're saying we didn't actually violate the law. They're not saying the law itself is unconstitutional. They've also raised, and I think this is really strange, a due process defense um, they're saying basically this was a brand new law and he couldn't have known if, if what he said did violate the law, he couldn't possibly have known that because it was such a brand new law. But Gary, as, as most everyone is familiar with, ignorance. uh, the old line is ignorance of the law is no defense, right? Um, I just, I, I don't know how they think that a due process defense is going to be successful here. All um, right. let me, because I'm saying. running out of time and I've, I've got a quick question for you. Uh, yeah. You got a case like this, and you've got two avenues uh, that you think uh, the prosecution is vulnerable on. Can you take them down in court, both avenues, or do you just have to pick one? Yes, you're actually allowed to pursue both, and even if they're inconsistent. You, even if they are mutually exclusive arguments, you're allowed to pursue all of your arguments. Um, and, and the courts are supposed to give a fair hearing to each of your arguments on its own. Um, and they can't say, oh, well, but you argued over here this set of facts or, or this. Uh, they have to take seriously each of the arguments that you present in turn. So I don't know, again, I don't know why they haven't raised the, the First Amendment as a defense here. Well, maybe they will since you know, they certainly seem to me uh, have grounds for that. Listen, uh, you never know when the government's going to step on your rights. You never know when they're going to take away your freedom. That's why it's so important that we support uh, Dave Rowland. Uh, and I really do hope if you can spare it a couple of bucks, because when he takes your case, he doesn't charge you anything. Uh, go to mofreedom.org slash donate and uh, help the next guy. Maybe you're the next guy or gal. Dave, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary. All right. Dave Roland, MoFreedom.org. All right. Uh, man, I can't believe it. It's already coming up on Friday. Uh, that'll be uh, Froster Buns Friday. Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Randy Tobler, all of that coming up. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.